This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 9.30 or so. This week on the programme, Carlo Mann, Michael Moriarty on his new book, Every Leader's Reality Guide, and Netwatch CEO David Walsh on why he gives it five stars and reckons it's the best book on business leadership he's ever read. The Carlo Chamber Business Awards took place on Thursday night. We'll bring you an update and talk to the winners of some of the big awards. All that and more over the next half hour or so. But first, to the subject of pensions, something surely to wake you up this Saturday morning. It's always a good idea to put money aside for later years, especially as we always hear about a pensions cliff which is looming and we hear uh, dire prognostications for the future. It's a particularly relevant subject at this time of the year as the deadline for self-assessment tax looms and pensions offer a cost-effective way of saving for the golden years while saving tax. Earlier this week, pensions specialist Ed Kassan of O'Neill Foley Accountants joined me in studio to talk about pensions. I began by asking Ed why pensions are such a good idea. Well, basically, John, uh, everybody is allowed to put money away into a pension and for doing so will get a tax refund or a tax reduction uh, by contributing. So at this time of year, uh, October 31st or the revenue online deadline of November 12th, people are doing a look back exercise into their 2018 earnings. And uh, often they will find that they haven't maximised what they could potentially do into a pension. And they uh, are obviously given an opportunity then to write a cheque for a thousand, ten thousand, whatever it might be, and get tax back for doing so. And uh, why are pensions such a good idea? And and can you give me a description of how pensions work? Yeah, well, basically, the the pension is a long-term savings plan. Uh, When you cut through all the jargon and all the tax breaks, it's a long-term savings plan where you need to save for your old age. Um, It's often likened to, uh, I suppose, a a three-legged stool. Um, If you can imagine sitting on a stool where one leg of the stool is the state pension, and that gives you a certain element of stability. Uh, the second leg of the stool could be your savings, your investments, your properties, whatever. But uh, you can't really sit on a three-legged stool if there's only two legs. So often pensions are described as providing the third leg of the stool. It gives you more stability, uh, brings you into uh, old age and just gives you a bit more independence. And We are living longer Typically, we could be looking at 25 to 30 years in retirement under the way things are going at the moment. So it is uh, very, very important for people to put aside funds and earmark them for that purpose. And I referred earlier on to a pensions cliff. I think that refers to the fact that huge numbers of people aren't making any provision for later years. Yeah, we have uh, about 50%, 51% of the population have nothing done for themselves for their later years. A lot of people will rely uh, on the state pension, but as many are aware, state pension age now has extended out to age 68 uh, for those born after uh, 1961. Um, most likely the state pension will not be uh, payable to vast majority of our listeners until uh, they're 70 years of age, if not later. So the, the there is a, a huge 
huge gap uh, building up in terms of what people retire on from wages and salaries and self-employed earnings as to what and what the government and the state pension will provide. And uh, I, for one, wouldn't be uh, advocating anybody rely purely on the state pension if they can if they can do something themselves. So we're coming up to the end of September. Uh, the deadline for online is the middle of November. The other deadline is the end of October. What would you be saying to a small business owner who's looking at a tax bill for this year, maybe 10,000, maybe something in that region, but they have no pr- pension provision made? What What would you be saying to them? Well, I, I would say to any business owner that it is worthwhile finding out, first of all, how much in theory can they put away. So, for example, a 45-year-old business owner can put away 25% of whatever they earned last year and get tax back for doing so. Um, but there is a reality out there. People have got to run businesses and cash flow is an issue. Uh, it is always possible to explore borrowing from some of the banks uh, short term, even over an 11-month period, and uh, get funding from the bank in order to pay the tax bill for last year, pay the preliminary tax that's due for 2019's earnings, but also then by uh, putting in a lump sum into the pension, uh, reducing those final tax bills and preliminary tax as well. Uh, And tell me, you know, I've concentrated very much on the sort of self-employed person doing a Mm. a tax return with an accountant. Can Mm. an employee save themselves uh, tax using a pension? And if so, how? Absolutely. Every employee in the country uh, can uh, examine their pension contributions, uh, assess whether or not they're doing enough in their own mind. There are various tools on offer with all the major providers online where you can go in and input what you're putting away into a pension and, and they will those online uh, facilities will show you very quickly how much you could be doing in theory and how much you should be doing and uh, it's um, it's uh, considerable yeah yeah now um we talked about people being encouraged but the, the incentives are quite huge and the amount as people get older can put in ever ever greater amounts into yeah. their uh, pensions do people tend to use up their full allowances no the vast majority of people who are employees for example uh, the vast majority who are doing pensions are doing somewhere around five percent of their salary and the employer if they're lucky is possibly matching that or maybe in some cases putting a little bit more but again going back to just say the the 35 year old uh, employee they could do 20 percent of salary now they've got a mortgage and a car to run and childcare and all the rest as you get older, it goes all the way up to 40% of one's earnings, up to a maximum of, of €115,000 of earnings. So the vast majority of people aren't anywhere near that. So, you know, the average, just say 40000 a year, um, a 55-year-old uh, can put away 35% of that and get, get tax back. Mm. Um, a lot of pension funds invest in the stock market. I'm sure the the uh, majority of them do. That's what c- comprises a huge amount of the stock market. How risky is it putting money into a pension, or is there a hedge against the risk? Or what way do pensions work? Yeah, that's a good question. That? Um, we find in practice and in the industry that an awful lot of people have it in their heads that pensions are risky. That all pensions are risky. There are definitely pension funds out there that have an element of risk, be it medium or medium to high or indeed high risk. But also there are plenty of funds out there that are low risk. You can put your money on deposit through a pension vehicle. You won't gain anything, but you also very much won't lose anything either. For long term investments, 
it would be recommended people take some element of risk. But one of the legacies from the crash of 10 years ago is that all the pension providers these days will offer what's called lifestyling, where automatically your exposure to the stock market is reduced without you having to do anything. It's reduced over a period of time on a monthly basis, usually about 10 to 15 years out from retirement. So when you do hit 64 or 67 or whatever your retirement age might be, uh, your vast majority of your money is no longer in the stock market and you've glided to a secure spot, I suppose, by having most of your funds in cash. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. Michael Moriarty, the launch of your new book, the latest exciting chapter in a, in a long and varied business career. Must be a proud night for you here in Carlo this evening. It is, John. Um, a book like this is something I always wanted to do. I put it off for 20, 30 years because I had the day job. But when I retired from Education and Training Boards Ireland last year, uh, it gave me an opportunity to reflect on the previous 37 years that I had been in some kind of leadership role. So uh, a part of it is examining what leadership is, but it's also, I hope, an inspiring read for anybody uh, who has any position in leadership, whether it's in the family, in the community, whatever it is. It isn't the preserve of a few all of us in some capacity lead others and quite a meaty read what are the key takeaways would you describe it for people you know who may be in leadership roles and looking for advice well the one thing we all want to do is change the world but we never want to change ourselves this book is focusing on changing yourself right it's having values what are your values have you worked out what your values are you know um, um, uh, 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 do you, are you have you empathy with other people do you have a vision you know is the vision outdated where, where are you leading people the very simple uh, definition that I saw the simplest definition of a leader is one who has followers so followers follow some somebody someplace that's what this book is about. And how did you find the experience of writing the book? Uh, well, it passed the winter, I suppose, but there's a lot of research in this, you know, a huge amount of research. Uh, that was the, the hardest bit. And then uh, finalizing it, you know, the many times you read your book or you have somebody helping you, uh, there are mistakes in it, you know. So the editing was a slow process. Uh, now that I have that done, I'm very proud of it. There are 20 distinct chapters here. It's a great read. It'll be on my website. It is on the moment, Michael Moriarty, M-O-R-I-A-R-T-Y, Moriarty.ie, or Hillglenspublishing.ie. And so you've had a, a distinguished business career, most recently in the education yeah. uh, sector, yeah. former uh, president of Carlo Chamber, yeah. but also very involved with CKR. Yeah. I was the CEO of the old radio station. I was involved in the establishment of that radio station uh, many years ago, and uh, it was a predecessor to your own radio station. Uh, then I was president of the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I've always had an interest in, in business. My degree is in economics. Uh, so even when I was in ETBI, I wasn't in the teaching or education side. It was industrial relations, negotiation with government departments, what, uh, uh, like that. So all of those kind of things help me and I think I'm going to say tonight here uh, when I when I speak now will be how Carlo my 25 years living in Carlo town how that was the was the uh, the base for all my learning because uh, I was involved with community groups in the Antal for all many years ago bringing the London Chamber Orchestra at the Cathedral for concerts uh, involved with the Chamber of Commerce and working in the radio station I knew what it meant not just to read accounts but have real meaning for you when you had to get money in by the end of the week um, you know, you've stepped aside from the ETBI, that was the Education and Training Board of Ireland. One book under your belt, just a few, you're not gone a year yet. What next for you? Uh, there's going to be a second book on this, so I'm going to, I'm going to talk to and meet high-profile leaders and say, ask them, 
the same questions about what was it about their personality or what advice would they have for younger people about becoming leadership? What were the ingredients of their successful leadership? And what have you found are the key ingredients? You mentioned empathy earlier on, but like what, what is the one single thing for business leadership, would you think? Well, I think uh, one thing is uh, certainly intelligence and in personality aren't as important as having good character, a sound character. People will stand up for somebody that has strong beliefs, that has a vision, knows where they're going, has a vision for the future. That vision for what the future, whether it's in business or in organization, is better than it is at present. And it's also somebody that knows how to treat people well. That issue of empathy, having emotional intelligence, listening to people. Many leaders, some don't listen, and that's their demise. You know, then they're not, in their own mind, they might be good leaders, but ask their colleagues or peers, and they may not get the same results. How important is leadership in times of great uncertainty, like we're facing into Brexit at the moment? Yeah. You know, will leadership get us through it? One of the, 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 I'm talking here about this book, I'm talking about having values and principles. And you, everybody needs to establish what are the values you stand for. And the reason I, I, I've taken that approach in this book is because, as we know, throughout Europe, there's been a, an increase in authoritarianism. Um, you take it in, in Britain, um, the rise of the far right, uh, Hungary, uh, Poland, uh, Turkey and you'll see all the strong men coming back very much like the 1930s and where there's a, an intolerance for diversity so it's a paler shade of the 1930s and we need to be careful about that I'm arguing here for people who will stand up and have values and stand for something more than just uh, a single a single um, uh, solitary uh, ambition uh, rather than having um, uh, looking after a diverse uh, population a diverse number of people David Walsh you officially launched Michael Moriarty's book it really impressed you. You weren't putting it on there. No, I think this is a book that anybody who is striving to be in a leader position or somebody who is in a leadership position that wants to remain in that position. Because I've read a lot of leadership books over the years. I've met, read Carnegie, Brown, uh, Porter, all those books, right? And a lot of those books are written from an academic perspective. But this book is exceptional. It's, it's written from Michael's own experience. He's long time working in the public sector, the private sector, uh, and, and, and for himself. Uh, and all those factors have fed into his leadership style. There are 20 chapters in the book. Each chapter is like gold. They have absolute nuggets of information. The book itself is very cleverly written in that one chapter leads on to another. But at any time, if somebody is feeling down, if they need to be motivated, they can pick up the book and drop into any chapter uh, and they will get that energy back. And not just for people in business, you, you were suggesting, but people even who are, don't see themselves as leaders. I, I think this book is relevant to any person that's trying to influence other people. Whether that's in our own homes as parents, whether it's in business, whether it's in the local community, whether it's in sport, whatever happens to be the case. But particularly as I read through this book, I would wish to have, a, my eldest guy is 20 years of age now, I would love to have had this book when he was a toddler so that I could hand over to him the lessons for life based on a, a value-based system that would give him every chance of success. And leadership is a subject you're obviously passionate about. It is because you, you, we require leadership to grow organizations uh, and one of the things that we discovered at Netwatch as we grew Netwatch over the years is that when you surround yourself with other leaders uh, and I think that's a key point, an awful lot of 
would-be leaders try to keep things small, but what we try to do is surround ourselves with great leaders because when you get people around you who genuinely believe what you believe, who genuinely, in our case, believed that we could grow a global organisation of a small place like Carlow, well, then great things happen because people believe in the story. They, 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 they work harder than anybody else. In fact, they're coming to work for themselves because they are responding to that higher power and they want to, to give something back to the company as well as get well paid and get something out of the company. So I can't see you recommending this book any higher. Five stars? Oh, for me it's five stars. I genuinely believe it's up there with the classics. And the reason it's up there is because it's, it's written in a very easy to read format. Uh, and it's not, Michael is not trying to prove himself as a great leader. He's calling upon his experiences. The language that he uses is language that we all use. And that's the secret. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Rachel Doyle, Lifetime Achievement Award at the Carlow Chamber. You've won many awards, but this one is special. This one is special, John, because... I suppose uh, a prophet is never a prophet in his own land, is often referred to. And to get this award on my own turf was just absolutely fantastic for the family, for the whole Doyle family. Like, it's, it's Frank has been with me all that, all that journey, and Fergal and Barry, they're two amazing businessmen, and I'm so proud of them. You spoke very proudly of the family and, and, and the role of you and Frank together and now the two guys taking it on to a different level, as you said yourself, that must give you great satisfaction. Absolutely. It's a dream come true and it really is because I know that they are, they are showing the passion, the vision and the enthusiasm and they absolutely nothing will stop them from going forward. And uh, I suppose that's the attitude. That's what happens when four of us have breakfast every morning in our own restaurant uh, and we, we chat about the whole day and it's just great. I'm, I'm so proud of them. And you have 140 staff, if I'm not mistaken, in two locations. But it wasn't always like that. You spoke about when you were when your garage door was your shop window and your front door and everything. Yeah, and there was just me. And then Frank joined, joined, joined me in the business. And, uh, but it's been a great journey and I don't regret anything. And I suppose the one thing that I always have is I always, the glass is always full with me. Not half full, but it's full. And I don't do negative people. And I don't want to sit down and have coffee with people who are gossip and negative. I, that's not me at all. And, and you spoke uh, about investing two million in the centre during the recession and 750 in remodelling uh, your restaurant when the M9 kind of bypassed uh, Lachlan Bridge. But also tell us about the glass house that you bought in Cable Street for £500, uh, I think it was. Yeah, that was back, imagine, 42 years ago. And £500, every penny that we had went into the glass house. And my dad, Lord Restham, and my brothers and every, Frank, we all, they all came to help erect a glass house. And uh, it was absolutely fabulous. And I was so excited about it with the image of all the plants I was going to produce in this fabulous glass house. And uh, a really kind neighbour came in to move uh, a load of stones that we had raked where we were putting in the, bench, the benches for the garden centre. And he's the front loader on his JCB hit the dwelling house and he got a fright and put the, the JCB in reverse and went straight back through the glass house. So it was completely flattened. 
and I was going to half seven mass. It was a Saturday evening. I'll tell you, no mass was had that that evening. I just went in and cried my eyes out. Your your glass full attitude was put to the test there. What would you say to people who are starting out in new businesses and who face bumps in the road, as you put it themselves, as you put it yourself? I, I I just think that you know we can do anything we want to do if we have that passion and the desire. And that fire in your belly, whatever you want to call it, but you have to you have to remain positive in times like that. And like I went back to Ken, Frank and myself went back to Lennon's in Cable Street, and they gave us horticultural glass stanchions, very, very, very reasonable. And it was certainly an, the first the, the first real example that I saw of excellent customer service. And uh, it's over 42 years ago since you started, but that passion still drives you, drives you on. Um, you spoke about your walking through Kilquaid, the two-acre garden there, and the buzz you got out of that. Yeah, well, that, was, that was recently. I was up one Sunday. It was 12 o'clock. I had just arrived. I was late getting there. And I was walking through the garden, and Barry, my son, one of my sons, just happened to ring me, and I said, you know... I said, Bar, I've never done drugs, but I know what it's like being on drugs because this is my drug. I was just so excited. And and every time I made a deal with myself, every time I go to the Arboretum in Kilquaid, I walk the gardens because it just gives me a lift. And I would say, you know, the whole mindfulness and everything, I, you know, all you need to do is get out in the garden, get lost in the garden, and you will absolutely feel amazing after it. It keeps me. It keeps me in the positive space that I am always, John. So, lifetime achievement award now, a, a rather big and beautiful one in the shape of a leaf. Um, will you put your feet up now and uh, relax and just enjoy your own private garden, or what? What's next on the horizon for you? Um, I'm gone in as executive chair because Barry is CEO and Fergal is CCO, but that means we have we have loads of projects on the on, in the pipeline for both Carlo and Wicklow and uh, there's not a hope of me putting my feet up I just enjoy it. I enjoy it so much it's not work it's actually what I love doing why the heck would I give it up <laughs> Rachel congratulations Rachel Doyle Lifetime Achievement recipient at the 2019 Carlo Business of the Year Awards well done Rachel thank you John Leslie Codd from Cod Mushrooms uh, Business of the Year at the 2019 uh, Chamber Business Awards a uh, bit of a surprise for you? Uh, yeah absolutely shocked did not expect it um, came here tonight uh, in a very uh, tough group I have to say now and a uh, bit of a shock to say the least and when you were speaking on stage accepting your uh, award you, you almost seemed surprised at the length of time your business has been on the go it's been a, a fast journey but a long journey you know when you look back over the years it's we're, we're 30 years in business this year and uh, time flies by, you just, uh, you just don't um, feel the time going. And when it comes to an award like this, you think back and you say, wow, 30 years, how quick that went. And um, very happy to be in a position now where we can accept this uh, huge award. And what does it mean to a business like yourself to be recognised in your local area? Sure, it's great. There's so many seriously good operators around Carlo. Like, it's a bit shocking to say that we could win award of this caliber but um no we're, we're really proud really happy and you mentioned in your acceptance speech challenging times for the agri food uh, sector but you're quite confident of the future nonetheless where does that confidence come from many people not blessed with confidence 
I suppose my gut feeling says that um, something will come out uh, positive of the UK over the next while. Everybody um, seems to be negative about it at the moment. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's a no confidence thing at the moment that's causing the economy to slow down a little bit, I believe. Um, whether the where uh, whether the UK leave with or without a deal, I think it's better than where we are now because um, at the moment it's um, it's it's very flat. Uh, please God, there'll be a deal in the next few weeks and uh, things will improve. Now all businesses evolve, and your business has evolved as well. Um, you've moved into construction. Yeah, we decided over the last three or four years to um, move into a different area. So we decided to go into um, residential house building. Uh, we've got we've got a site in Tullamore at the moment. We, we we're building a number of houses there. Uh, we just launched phase one over the last month, and we're we're um, we've got a few other we've got a few other sites starting and in operation as well. And uh, yeah, there's a huge demand for houses. Uh, there's a huge demand for social houses as well. And uh, we feel that uh, you know it was a worthwhile move into this category. And uh, you know it's so far so good. It's been quite successful for us. Albeit at the moment, I have to say it's quite slow in house sales. But we believe that's very much Brexit related, and it should pick up over the next number of months. Now it's easy to see the difference between mushrooms and houses. But what have the two business areas got in common, and what have you brought from the mushroom side of the business, so to speak, that it's helped in the construction? Um, they seem so far apart, but all business is pretty similar. Um, we would have always tried to run a very, um, um, a very tight operation in cod mushrooms. We we we're we're very conscious about wastage. You're very conscious about keeping uh, costings right. I suppose it's the same in all business and um, uh, especially construction. Now we are developers. We're we're not builders, so um, we just have to. Uh, build good houses um, build them right um, and uh, market them well and give the customers what they want at the best price and uh, so far as I say so good it's working out quite well. Okay Leslie thank you very much and congratulations that's Leslie Cobb from Cod Mushrooms the 2019 Business of the Year at the Carlow Chamber Business Awards. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. Unfortunately, that's about all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Thanks to everybody who contributed to the programme this week. Coming up next week, we'll be talking to Rory Gannon about Kilkenny's Cake Face, one of the most acclaimed coffee shops in the country. We'll be hearing about the potential of rural tourism and we'll be speaking to Joe Brown about her locally based perfume company with global ambitions. If you have any suggestions for the programme, don't forget you can contact us on the bottom line at kclr96fm.com or if you'd like to make a comment, a criticism or tell us something you think we should be covering. Thanks to Edwina Grace who stitched my scattered audio together this week on the programme and Deirdre Drummy who as always produced. For me John Purcell, thank you for listening enjoy the weekend and have a good week KCLR's Bottom Line Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business www.omf.ie